So we're in numbers, Bemid Bar in the wilderness. That's what it is. And uh, just to fill you in a little bit, um, Israel cried out to God. God heard. Again, it's amazing grace. <laughs> uh, by grace, he heard Israel's cry, delivered her from bondage, uh, brings her out uh, from under uh, a cruel taskmaster, liberates her by grace, makes her a duly constituted people, forms her, fashions her, promises her a land of promise, bequeaths to her his own uh, law by which to live so as to say, Israel, I care about you. I care about how you live. He gives... uh, a priesthood, he gives a sacrificial system, he gives a tabernacle, he says, I'll establish my pre I mean, all of this, just, you talk about amazing grace, um, which is why what we're about to read tonight is so surprising. Could you take a look with me to Numbers chapter 11, verse 1? Numbers chapter, tell me if you're surprised as I was when I read the opening verse. Numbers chapter 11 It's where we are, uh, verse 1. It says, Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the... Do you find this surprising as I do? Uh, Such a privileged people. And soon after they head out, break camp, leave the foot of Mount Sinai on their way to the land of promise. Soon thereafter, look, and the people became like those who complain. Are you surprised by the ingratitude of it all? Are you surprised by the quickness with which they reverted to this? Um, Don't be surprised, because what we're looking at here is a mirror. Hold it up. It's only Israel specifically, but it's human nature generally. So please resist the temptation to ask yourself the question, how could those people be the way they are? I think God created and chose uh, the Israelites for two purposes. I was thinking about this recently, and I think I, to me, have come up with a satisfying answer. Why did God choose the Jews? Two reasons. One, Uh, to reveal human nature for what it is, and two, to reveal divine nature for what it is. So as we track God's dealings with Israel, we see a very clear picture of human nature manifested by them, and we see a very clear 
uh, representation of divine nature as we see how God has responded to them. So that's the reason to me why God created and chose the Jews. So be very careful. Resist the temptation uh, to say, this is not me, this is them. No, 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 no. They're in there because they is you. <laughs> See, there's only two categories. There's human nature, regardless of ethnicity. We're all the same. It's human nature. The only one who is categorically different is the only one who possesses divine nature, uh, the Most High God. So here what you're seeing, frankly, should not be such a surprise. It's only a surprise when you overestimate the virtue of human nature. I want to tell you something. It stinks to the high heavens. There is no good thing that dwells in you nor in me. Now, I know the world wants us to put confidence in the flesh, but the biblical record is in the opposite direction. Put no confidence in the flesh. And so all these worldly epithets are entirely unbiblical. Things like believe in yourself is contrary to the Bible. Things like you can be anything you want to be is contrary to the Bible. Statements like discover the champion in you is contrary to the Bible. No, you are totally depraved. You are sinful. When you sin, you are being you. That's not an exception to the rule. You didn't make a mistake. You lifted up the high hand of rebelliousness against the Most High God. That's not a bad day. That's a bad you. You were conceived in sin. You're not the way you are because you were raised in a deprived environment or you didn't have good schooling. Good night under the best conditions, the Garden of Eden. They didn't have any environmental pollution in the Garden of Eden under the best of circumstances. What did they do? One commandment, don't eat from the fruit of this tree. That's human nature. So, 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 when we follow the record of God's dealings with Israel, we're simply seeing a mirror of what we look like, and we're seeing what his response is. And so this is what they do. They complain. Look at here, folks. The journey is stressful. Let's be a little sympathetic. They're not used to this stuff. Wilderness wanderings, you know. They're not used to being a traveling people for 400 plus years, they were a rather sedentary people in Egypt. Now they're in the desert going who knows where. And they knew of the land of promise, but they surely couldn't see it. All they saw is, look where we are. Where are we going? And so they fell into stressful irritability, moodiness, and discontent out of which they complained. Uh, by the way, do, do you know what complaining is? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, 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 complaining is an adult, adult way of crying. See, 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 when kids are stressed, irritable, need their diapers changed, they just cry. We fake it. So we think we're adults, we're not supposed to cry. So we substitute for crying, complaining. Complaining is an adult way of crying. So I want to, I want to tell you an illustration. It sort of loosely relates, but I feel like sharing it anyway. So I was at another church many years ago, and I was serving. 
And uh, the church had a business meeting that I attended, and it was uh, about redecorating the sanctuary, they called it, the auditorium. And uh, uh, I thought for sure, oh my goodness, there's going to be bloodshed. Because you have to decide on uh, colors and fabrics, you know, real big, important, great commission stuff. But this is the stuff that really divides. Yeah, I want green. No, I want blue. Oh, okay. So you got two separate churches, splits, you fight. You'd, I think, oh, my, we're not going to survive this. I was going to pray, but I didn't have enough faith to pray. I just thought, it's just over tonight. You know, they, no one's going to agree on colors. Well, anyway, lo and behold, in 45 minutes, every decision was made. It was unanimous. Everything was selected, ready to go. It was unbelievable. So on Sunday, I got up to preach. You know, the meeting was like on a Wednesday night. So on Sunday, which follows, I thought, I want to affirm the congregation for conducting themselves in, in such a... I, I thought God-honoring manner. I mean, nobody scratched anybody else's eyeballs out. It's really, it was quite amazing to me. It was like a miracle. And so, so I stood up, and I was just affirming the folks and so on. And at the end of this was a traditional church, and at the end of the service, I was in a receiving line. You know, you shake hands, and people say things uh, to you. They say, oh, that, that was a very good sermon they didn't even listen to it. I know about all that. But anyway, that's what was going on. And so this man, an older man, is coming by, and I get ready to shake his hand, and he wouldn't shake my hand. And he points his finger at me in front of everyone, and he says, you are a liar. That's, that's what he says. This is, ain't church fun. And so, uh, so, 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 so I said, what do you mean? And he said, you stood up there lauding the congregation, making a big deal of their, over their good behavior with reference to this redecorating thing. There's no way you could possibly believe that. We have people all over the area, hungry, needy people, and this church is wasting its money on redecoration. Shame on you. If you think that's a commendable thing, you shouldn't be in the pulpit. And, you know, on and on. He's going like this. And so I thought I owed him a response. And I said, hang on, sir. You're absolutely wrong. We are taking care of the needs of those needy members of the community. There's a benevolent fund and so on. We're not taking any food out of anyone's mouth in order to put fresh wallpaper here on the sanctuary. Not only that, sir, are you aware of the fact we're not borrowing one cent? It's cash on the barrel head. It's all taken care of. We're not being extravagant at all. We're just creating a pleasant worship environment. And I'm going on and on, and it's not working at all. And he just storms off. So I thought, what in the world? I was just like praying for the rapture. and st- you, Without him, you know, I just... Because you, you should pray specifically. You got to pray. So anyway, uh, so yeah, you pray your way. I'll pray mine. So anyway, uh, I decided I really need to give him a call. So I did, and I said, uh, uh, "Mr. So and So, you know, you know, this is this is Stuart Rothberg, and uh, we had a rather upsetting conversation yesterday. I was wondering if we, you would grant me the uh, privilege of having a little follow up. Could we get together for?" For, for breakfast tomorrow, and, uh, and I said, and, uh, and you could buy. I, I thought that would be like a little humor, you know, diffuse the tension. Man, it didn't do, it diffused nothing. <laughs> but, anyway, so, but anyway, so we got together at a place, 
And, and we got to breakfast and I was ready. I even had paperwork in the car so I could show him how carefully uh, the financial decision was made by the duly appointed committees in the, they called them committees, committees in the church and stuff like that. But it never came up, interestingly. We just were having breakfast and he was just talking about life, his. Uh, he was saying, you know, uh, my father was a, a railroad man. Really, said I. I said, that must have been quite interesting for you. He said, it was quite painful for me. Really? Why is that? He said, I just frequently remember going to the train station to say goodbye to my dad as he and the train left the station and left me behind. He said, that's what I remember of my childhood. And suddenly, it's like the veils were removed over my eyes. Everything clicked because what I was doing in this church um, was emphasizing um, the development of, let's call it, middle leadership in the church. I knew our more senior members would soon be promoted uh, to heaven. That's our hopeful expectation. And so I thought I needed to bring some younger couples alongside while they could benefit from the wisdom of our senior members, be under their tutelage while the opportunity presented itself, and then fill their spots when they were gone. I thought this was a good idea. Apparently, it wasn't so hot. And so in doing it, it made this man feel the same way he felt when he saw his father get on the train and leave the station. He felt this pastor and this church was moving beyond him and leaving him behind. He felt that we were leaving him. He was a a person who had served in the church for decades, quite a contributor in manifold ways, and I unintentionally, but understandably, gave him the intention that he no longer had value, he was just taking up space and we're, we're leaving. And so what I did was uh, I had breakfast with him almost on a regular basis uh, every Tuesday morning, and, and he did end up paying actually most of, most of the time. And we became extremely close friends. He, he has been promoted uh, some years ago uh, to wonderful status with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I realized something then, and that is that the issue was not the issue. And in complaining, I thought I owed him a, a response specifically connected to to the complaint. So I wanted to show him budget and policies which were followed and, all, and, and, you know, architectural drawings and all this stuff. And we were speaking. I was speaking, in this case, the language of reason, but he was speaking the language of emotion. And you know what he was doing? Even though at that point he was in his late 70s, he was crying. That's what he was doing. But a man in his late 70s doesn't do that. Uh, so he translated it into a complaint. Crying when you're a young person gets the attention of older people who care for you. And complaining does the same thing. Complaining gets the attention of surrogate parental figures. See, complaining obligates the surrogate dad to tie into the complaint. Now, only by God's grace uh, 
that I get it finally and stop talking about facts and figures and instead assure him of his intense value to the kingdom of God, that church and me in particular, because I surely needed his wisdom of years and friendship and so on and so forth. So, so, so why do I bring that up? Because I didn't study the rest of the text. No, I don't. No, I don't. I, 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 I just want you to see, it's human nature. So when Israel is, I'm not justifying, no, I am not justifying what they did. I'm just saying, there are a bunch of adults who are crying. Bring us back to Egypt. We don't like the wilderness. We should have stayed at Mount Sinai longer. We left Mount Sinai too soon. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too this. It's too that. It's an adult way of crying. Folks, this is you. This is not their nature any more than it's your nature. It's your nature. It's my nature. There's human nature and there's divine nature. That's the way it is. Now listen, they were guided. They were guarded. They were graced by Almighty God. And you see this response. Welcome to the real world of human nature. That's why any claim to rectify what's broken in society by human will and ways is a lie and a deception. Human nature corrupted it, and corrupt human nature cannot fix it. Only divine nature can fix what human nature has polluted and corrupted. So you see, human nature, but I'd like you now to take a look at God's gracious nature, verse 2. The people, therefore, cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died out. Human nature, verse 1. Divine nature, verse 2. Where sin abounds, verse 1. Grace superabounds, verse 2. As God is with Israel, so too he is with you. If you think he dumped Israel because of her sin, then you're going to have to just wait for him to dump you because of yours. The point of the biblical record and God's dealings with Israel is to show us what man is like, and to show us what God is like. So verse 3, the name of that place was called Taberah, which means burning, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. He burns with holy wrath, tempered by amazing grace. That is divine nature. Well, you want to see some more uh, human nature? Just in case you're feeling too good about yourself. It's good that you came here so, 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 so that we can help you to see what a wretch you are, okay? Because we want to we wanna extinguish any hint of you feeling good about yourself, okay? That's the purpose. So look at here, verse 4. The rabble. Does your Bible say rabble? What does it say? Yeah, yeah. Mixed multitude. That's, that, it's about, that's the idea. Rabble, mixed multitude. The rabble or the mixed multitude who were among them. So the rabble or the mixed multitude 
are among the them, but they're not part of the them. The them are the Israelites, freed from bondage in Egypt. The mixed multitude are with them, but they're not part of them. Who are they? Many people left Egypt to tag along with the Jews on their way to the land of promise. So, so you have a lot of non-covenant people um, with covenant people in this case. So you have the rabble who were among them, and they had greedy desires. But, but, but notice the contagious effect of, of what happened. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? So, folks, I'll tell you who I think the mixed multitude of the rabble were. They were folks traveling with Israel, but whose hearts were still back in Egypt. Folks traveling with Israel, but whose hearts were still back in Egypt. In other words, welcome to the American church. Welcome to church. Mixed multitude. Wheat and tares. (laughs) So you have... Do you know what one of the biggest, do you know what causes the most grief in lo, our local churches? Um, worldly Christians. Not non-Christians. Worldly Christians. They join in membership. They get on committees. They have a vote. They plunk themselves down. They make their opinions known. They're sort of traveling with a covenant community, but their hearts are back in the old ways of doing things, and they cause more trouble, whether it's in deacons meetings, whether it's in business meetings, whether it's in this, whether it's in that, they just don't seem to get it. It's just the way it is. Remember, folks, human nature is always, as it was in the camp of Israel, so it is in the camp of churches today. That's just the way it is. People who identify with Christ, yeah, yeah, sort of are traveling along with that community of Christ followers, and yet whose hearts are still very much in the world. Those are the ones who cause most trouble. Most trouble. Man, I'll never forget the time. I was, I was at another church. I keep getting thrown out of churches, and so that... <laughs> this, was, this, was, this was in another church, and I was the pastor of it, and... Uh, and and we we had a building program and uh, you know a, a, a no debt building program and uh, so a man said pastor I'd like to take you out to lunch I have a proposal for financing the building and I thought this is a cool thing so we went out to lunch and he told me uh, I am not I am not lying to you he said I think we should take the money which ordinarily would go to our missions budget Roy you're gonna love this one baby. Uh, take the money that should go to our missions budget and we should use it to buy lottery tickets. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. I'm saying to myself, as I'm hearing this, I'm saying to myself, Stuart, 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 don't let him see what you're thinking. Just, just keep, nod, keep, nod your head, nod your head. Lottery tickets, yeah. Lottery tickets. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and then, you know, someone is bound to win, and then we could use it to finance the church. That's what he said. So I said, oh, so, so let me ask you a question. Um, let's say we do this. What assurance do you have that we're going to get the winning ticket? You know what he says to me? 
don't you believe in the sovereignty of God? I'm not, I'm not kidding. I said, okay, 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 got you, okay, I'll give you that one, all right. So, so we get in the winning lottery ticket, and, you know, we cash it in, and we, and we finance the church building, and then people start coming, say new people, and they say, oh, what a beautiful building. How'd you get it? <laughs> I, I'm going to have to tell them that, you know, the state of such and such lottery, you know, we gambled and... And 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 we, and, and we, so that would not be, that would not be a cool. Would that be a cool? He, you you just don't understand," said he. Here's a guy following along with the community of faith, but man, his head, his heart, is so firmly planted in the world. I cannot tell you how much grief that one guy caused caused me. I cannot tell you. How much grief. So, the record of God's dealings with Israel is not to uplift Israel at all. Oh, no, no. It's to show us what human nature is like. And it's to get us to bow on our knees and praise God for His perfections. Because divine nature is categorically different than our human nature. Entirely so. Well, anyway, verse 5, here's the complaint specifically. It's about food. So this is very much like a Baptist church. So it's about food here. Look, we remember the fish which we used to eat uh, free in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the, mm, the garlic. Yes, sir. It's interesting how memories could be selective, huh? They remembered the menu, but they left off the menu little items like whips and uh, toil and bondage and taskmasters. Interesting how our select we remember the pleasures of the old ways and days very selectively forget the pains of the so-called good old days they say but now our appetite is gone there's nothing at all to look at except this 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 manna manna it means what is it because it was so clearly provided by the providential, gracious, caring concern of Almighty God, the world knew not of it. It had not seen such a thing. It came down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no change or shifting shadow. It came down to an undeserving people so that even in the wilderness they could be sustained. And they tired of supernatural provision. They tired of the bread of life freely given to them. Why? Because it was so free. They devalued it. It was so available. They took it for granted, 
those Jews? No. Those use human nature. By extension, we're talking about the bread of the word of God, which also is like nothing the world could ever produce. It's not inspired in the sense that Shakespeare was inspired to write. Oh, no. It's inspired in the sense that God exhaled it through chosen vehicles, instruments, who inscripturated it without error and authority down to this very day. It's words of life, the likes of which the world knows not of. And we too because it's so available, take it for granted. How many Bible translations do you have on your shelf, or do I have on mine? It's so freely given. It's so available. We take it for granted. Come on. This is human. Don't point the finger at the Jews. They're only in there because they're a mirror. That's what you look like, too. And that's what I look like, too. So we're on a quest for new, more tasteful things. We no longer have an appetite for the Word of God. Folks, we're in a day just about ready to drive a guy like me nuts because Christians are reading just about everything but the Word of God. I don't get it. I do not get it. Have you exhausted it so that now you have to move on? Have you been satiated with the words of life to the extent that you need some other intake? Come on. Come. Could I tell you something? You're on safe ground when you get under the word of God. Anything else you read puts you at risk. I didn't say not to. I'm just saying you, you're at risk. But when you read the Word of God, you just relax. You say, Father, speak to me, for your son or daughter is hungry to hear. And he will never poison you with nourishment that isn't in your best interest. Why are we so inclined to pick up stuff off the bookshelves, unverified, uncredentialized stories, anecdotes, imaginations, dreams, visions, unverifiable, subjective stuff. When I got 66 books of manna from heaven. Don't point your finger at the Jews. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. I want to read you a poem someone cleverly crafted which shows us in uh, the poem the contrast both between human nature and divine nature. Listen, how strange that souls whom Jesus feeds with manna from above should grieve him by their evil deeds and sin against his love. But tis a greater marvel still that he from whom they stray should bear with their rebellious will and wash their sins away. Human nature, not a pretty picture. Divine nature, beautiful.
to behold. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the gracious divine nature of almighty God who allowed that precious flow, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the cleansing agent. So verse 7, the manna, in case you're wondering, it's like coriander seed. Its appearance is like bdellium. The people, see, would go about. They'd gather it. They'd grind it between two millstones. They'd beat it in the mortar. They'd boil it in the pot. They'd make cakes with it. Its taste was as the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Why is that in there? It's to show us how unreasonable their complaint about it was. It was good food. It was God's food. It was palatable to the taste buds. And it was attractive to the eye. And they didn't have to work for it. Came down at night while they were sleeping. They just had to lay hold of it when they got up in the morning. Folks, this bread from heaven is what sustained their lives. It demonstrated God's presence. It demonstrated God's continual care. So what happened to these people? They remembered what they should have forgotten. And they forgot what they should have remembered. That's what happened. You know who those people are? Us. So our pastor has given us, uh, I think, a marvelous opportunity to focus in this month on miracles, divine intervention in our lives in various fashions at various times which have made us whole. And to remember God's blessing. They remembered (laughs) the pleasures of the old ways and they forgot the blessed deliverance of Almighty God who freed them from bondage, constituted them a people, imparted to them his heart, his mind, his morality, his ethics, his guidelines for life. They forgot his magnificent promise of a future hope in a land of promise. And I think our pastor's intent is to help us to remember what we ought to remember and to forget what we're best <laughs> to forget. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that just in the next few moments as we close. Uh, could I invite you to stand uh, to your feet? I promise you will like this. And what's more, it will delight your father. That's why I want us to do it. Complete this phrase. I am grateful to God when I remember, and then you fill in the blank. I am grateful to God when I remember that my kids are grown up and don't do that anymore. (laughs) I am grateful to God. How would you complete it? When I remember the day of my salvation. I'm grateful to God when I remember when he healed me of my cancer. I'm grateful to God when he left me with my cancer because it produced in me and others around me things which would otherwise not be produced. 
I'm grateful to God when I remember how I was at the end of myself financially and something came to me in the mail. I'm grateful to God when I remember how alone I used to feel, how confused I was about lofty spiritual truths until I came to Sagemont Church and got in a Bible study and grew. I'm grateful to God when I remember the family crisis which we experienced and as a result of which manifold people at Sagemont Church rallied behind us with cards and with visits and with calls and with meals. Some things are to be forgotten. Other things are to be deliberately remembered. Can I ask you to deliberately remember how the Father has blessed you? It will bless him to know that you haven't forgotten. And so uh, take some time, just a few moments, share with one another uh, the completed statement. I am grateful to God when I remember, and then you fill in the blank. Please enjoy your interaction. Thank you for being the perfect father. Thank you for loving us with a father heart. Thank you for guiding us and protecting us and being gracious to us. Thank you for taking such an interest in our lives. Thank you for joining yours with ours. Thank you for imparting your very Holy Spirit to us so that we can be temples of your very Holy Spirit. We can connect with your nature so that it can overcome ours. Thank you for the time when ours will be entirely overwhelmed and you'll remove even the very presence of sin uh, from our lives. Truly, that will be a day of marvelous, marvelous uh, glorification and to you be all the glory. Lord Jesus, our record, our memories of past blessings enhance our expectation of blessings to come. Because you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And those circumstances change by the second in our most unsettling world. And though we change, we have our ups and downs, yet you remain immutable, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so as you have been gracious to us, surely you will continue to be gracious to us. Lord Jesus, would you help us to lift up our eyes with a spirit of expectancy for greater things to come to us both individually as ones who yearn to be salt and light and represent you well, but also to us corporately as a church. Lord Jesus, as you have blessed us through our pastor and through the membership of this church over these decades, we like to think, Lord Jesus, that the best is yet to come. You surely have not exhausted your blessings. Would you pour out upon us even richer blessings so that we could continue to be even be more a church that brings glory to your name in this community and in this, in this world. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.